0: This podcast was recorded before the global pandemic. While the world looks a lot different today, we believe this content remains valuable for helping organizations move forward and emerge stronger. Digitization has disrupted businesses across every industry, and banking is no different. In a world where speed and convenience rule all, the banking industry is under pressure to enable more digital processes and systems in order to remain competitive. But how do you make that shift in an industry that's steeped in a traditional process and system, and one which is regulated? Today on the Workday podcast, we're taking an inside look at how to navigate change management in banking. I'm Greg Thomas from Workday. And joining me today are Heather Efron, Senior Vice President, Leadership Development Director at Huntington National Bank, and Andy Seacrest, Senior Vice President, Colleague Service Delivery Director at Huntington National Bank. Welcome to you both. We're glad to be here. Well, Heather and Andy, thank you so much for being here. Can you tell me about your background?
1: Sure, absolutely. I started with Huntington Bank about five years ago, and I was in an HR business partner role, leading a team of HR business partners. And we signed the Workday contract, and my organization looked around and said, we need somebody with change management experience to lead this major initiative. So Andy tapped me and I joined his team to really roll out the change management piece. Now I'm in a new role in the leadership development director position. Awesome, and Andy?
2: So I've got a long IT experience or background. I came over to HR three or four years ago. Interestingly, the reason I got the job is because our recruiting system was so bad, I inadvertently applied for a job and. So I'm like, we've got to find a better way to do this. So before I even started in HR, I'm like, we've got to find a better system. So when we got the Workday Project approved, I've done a lot of different deployments and learned a lot of valuable lessons from not doing it correctly. That's so, an inadvertent happiness that yes, you applied for the wrong I got job. A, yeah, I've got a lot of scars.
0: <laughs> we'll talk about some of those as we go along. So l- let's wind the clock back then. You both mentioned the deployment. What were some of the factors that, that brought Huntington National Bank to look at its HR systems?
2: When I came over to HR, we had a lot of paper processes, a lot of spreadsheets, just a lot of disjointed efforts. And so everybody had their own little silo. The reports never matched. I worked for the chief human resources officer and one Friday we were going through a list of items and we just talked about we're not gonna be able to get where he wanted to be. We were never gonna get there using a bunch of different older systems. And there had to be a better way to integrate everything.
1: And I remember starting as a new leader in the HR space, needing to support our executives and coming into the bank and having multiple HR systems and trying to learn that as an HR leader as well as support my customers who weren't really interested in my onboarding because they had needs to deliver for their teams. I had to quickly ramp up on all these new systems and trying to navigate the complexity that we had was challenging for an HR person who's supposed to be an expert in these systems. So I really felt for our managers that were trying to navigate these because they don't touch them as frequently as someone in HR would.
0: So what were some of the challenges that you were seeing that you really were looking to that new system to solve?
1: The biggest one that I experienced as a new hire that I'm sure all of our managers experienced as well as our colleagues is, I didn't even know where to start. Like, do I click here for recruiting? Do I go there for performance reviews? Wait, you mean I have a different system for how to do all of the different transactions, like give someone a salary increase? So just logging in and starting, let alone the process, was just mind-blowing.
0: It's a little daunting if you don't even know where to
2: start. Right, so and we would do things where if um, you did comp in one system and you would say, here's what I'm going to rate the person. So you'd rate them on a scale one to five to give them a better raise, and then all the performance development was done in another system. So about four months after you got your raise or your bonus, we would marry them together and go, wait, somebody gave them a highly exceeds to give them a better raise, but they gave them a three on their performance review. And this was all done after the fact. And as a manager, you felt like you're always looking in a rearview mirror as opposed to where do I want to go? We had all types of issues where people would take a bunch of spreadsheets, put it in an Access database and they'd get a number and then they would feed that directly into our payroll system, which is not the best way to run. We just had a bunch of process issues and it was just hard to manage. And any day you could walk in and something would break or somebody wouldn't do something right and you would spend days trying to redo what they had, had done. Yeah, those, those tape and bailing wire systems work until they don't.
1: Yes. I remember teaching my team how to do crazy things in Excel to match the data from two different systems and make sure that we could pull a report together to deliver to the executives. We were doing V lookups and all of the, the crazy formulas that you really need to be a sophisticated Excel user to pull together. But then what that creates is accidental errors. That with your data, all of a sudden you thought you had great data, but because you missed sorting the row correctly or you transposed something and now you've sent out data that's incorrect.
0: Well, and to your point, you need to be an Excel expert to do that or a spreadsheet right. expert to do that. Mm-hmm. And and that's maybe not why people went into HR right. in the first place. <laughs> Uh, so when you think about that selection process, you, you had these challenges and you're thinking, all right, we need, we need to make some changes here. How did the management team work through the, those challenges and those questions to make the change management case to bring something new
2: in? I looked at from a bottoms-up approach of what's our architectural footprint, what's our data, how does our data flow. I did a lot of architectural diagrams, data flow diagrams, system of record diagrams, that I don't think a lot of the business groups were looking at as an HR deliverable. So we looked at it and we used those to define, here's the problem and why we can't fix it by throwing more IT labor at it. And that started to articulate, okay, this is a problem that needs to be solved. And once we identified, we wanted to go to a single vendor for the core functions and somebody we could grow with. There wasn't a lot of options to do that. We had a couple vendors we could look at When we started looking more at Workday and the Workday community, we were told, here's what we can do. And then we started working with other Workday customers, and they pretty much articulated what we had heard from Workday. So we got a common theme of here's what you can do, and you can continue to evolve it as an HR function. I think those things resonated very well with the executives. We had a small group that drove, here's the problem, here's the solution, and then we presented that to the executives and then the more they heard about it and the more they heard about a consolidated vision, the more it kind of got roots and just took off.
0: So you says a small group, <laughs> you know, how many folks roughly?
2: I worked with my counterpart in IT. There was a project we had to do that was gonna be like 24,000 person hours. And that's when the light bulb went off for her where she's like, why would we do this? We're gonna spend 12 people years And it's going to be over budget. It's not going to meet what people need. It's just not going to work. Because what are the odds that those projects actually come off on time? And she's like, this is crazy. For the amount of money we're going to invest in this, we could invest all the IT hours and pretty much implement a new system. So I worked a lot with her, we were the primary two, and then we had a small group from HR systems that worked with us, and then from payroll and finance.
0: Implementing a new system is a big deal. It's an expensive uh, proposition, it's a lengthy proposition, it's a lot of really important payoff at the end. How did you approach change management and really getting this thing done?
1: When I talked to our chief HR officer, One of the things that he said really resonated with me. He said, this is the largest initiative that HR has taken on in the Huntington history. And so having a dedicated change management resource for leading this large initiative was very eye-opening for uh, us as a Huntington organization that really doesn't have a change management function. And... Having that dedicated resource to drive change, engage stakeholders in the communication of rolling it out was so critical. Um, So that support was huge.
0: And when that change management initiative took off in in 2020, hindsight, something like that seems obvious. Oh, we got to do this. We got to think about this. We Mm got to communicate. We got to make sure everyone's coming along. Mm -hmm. But it's it's a little harder to do than that. So how did you come to the realization? And then what did you learn about how to do it well.
1: I think the key for the success that we had was stakeholder engagement throughout the entire process. If you start change when you're already halfway through the project, you've started too late. You really have to start at the very beginning. And that's why I was so thankful to be brought into the project early on and to really um, engage in the design process. Because as my HR background allowed me to look at what are we doing today? And then what are we going to in the future? And I was able to then say, all right, what kind of change is this? Is this just an address change and people have to know where to log in and do a simple address change on a new system? Or is this a complete behavior change and we're really going to have to do some significant change management effort to make sure that people know what kind of behaviors we're expecting them to do in the future? We went through a process in the design phase where I sat through all the design sessions and actually assessed the overall impact. And we rated it using a numeric scorecard so that I could then take that back to the executive leadership team with Andy's support to say, here's the major changes that we're having. Kind of that top right box of these are significant changes, these are minor changes, and being able to put data behind it and show the executives that why are these the major changes and why do we need to make sure you know what the change is, why it's important, how it's gonna impact your people, helped us get buy-in from that leadership team early so that when we hit the go button, there were no surprises.
0: And Andy, I, from your perspective, that sounds like a very sort of quantified approach. Did that help, you think, make the case and help people see where the change management minds were, essentially, in the landscape?
2: Yeah, it, it, well, it also wasn't an afterthought. We baked it into the budget, so it wasn't something that we had thought we we can cut it to get the budget approved. It was part of the success criteria. A couple things that we did up front is, even before the project started, Heather and I and the project manager had sat down individually with every executive. What do you want to see happen? What projects go well? What should we learn from other projects that haven't gone well? And we really came up with five key themes. Don't do anything different for me or my business segment that I haven't reviewed. I want everybody to do the same thing and don't overcomplicate it. Don't customize it. Focus on making sure the colleagues are involved. So we came up with like four or five things that were kind of our tenants for the project. And so that gave us our marching orders. So we didn't get into these discussions at the lower levels of, I need something customized. Because we told them we could do that, but we're going up to your executive before we do it. And that squelched a lot of the discussion because they started to understand why. We also asked for them to provide two or three names that would be their eyes and ears on the project. So we had 30 senior leaders that we were heavily engaged with even before we started the project. We got their feedback, and then each one of them gave us about 20 to 30 names. Managers, individual contributors, senior leaders, individual hourly colleagues, that would be our eyes and ears in the project. So that was all baked in, based on lessons learned from other projects. We also then made sure that they were engaged for all the key decisions. And then based on how they're scoring, it would either go to the manager, the HR manager that owned the process, it would go to our CHRO for him to review, or we took it all the way up to the executives. A friend of mine that did change management in a previous life had said, sometimes you have to tell people 49 times before it sinks in. So we were purposely repetitive on our communications. And even the key decisions that we had reviewed with the executives we started having steering committee meetings every two weeks before deployment. So about 10 weeks before deployment, every two weeks we were having steering committee meetings just to go through cutover plans where we were on our testing. And we took the key decisions back to them just to say, hey, remember, this is what we're doing. And strangely enough, they changed. So even as part of our 49 steps, as they got closer to it, they started changing some of the decisions. And the nice thing about the Workday framework is we were able to do those before we went live. But if we would have just not gone back to them and not included the change management approach, we would have been misaligned probably poorly at at deployment.
0: So it sounds like you all were incredibly thoughtful about this. And lucky. (laughs) (laughs) Never underestimate the value of luck. Looking back, what was the impact to the overall organization of the approach and ultimately the deployment?
2: Some meetings, the executive said, unless something happens, I don't need to hear about it, which was nice because then it let us focus on where we did have problems About halfway through the project, I had to go to a regional president's meeting. So there's 13 of the regional presidents and probably 13 other high level executives. I didn't realize at the time, but our CEO was there. And also the chairman of the board was there. We presented, here's what Workday is going to do and what we're doing. And they started getting really excited about it. But you could see the look on their face like, okay, this is a, you're over promising. And two of the people that were in our advisory group were in the meeting. So they started asking me questions, or the executives started asking me questions, and the people in the advisory group started answering for them. That's the best presentation when you're not answering questions. I got the call from the chairman of the board the next day about how he was, and our CEO was referencing that on other projects. And so we came, without really knowing it, we really became like the flagship of here's how you do change management. So we never had to worry about something going above us and coming back down to us. It, it came to us first to resolve. We had very good transparency and communication and it just, it worked. That
0: must have felt great for, for not only for you, but for the extended teams that were
2: working on this,
1: right? Yeah, and I think one of the things that we created was that momentum that we needed in an organization to drive change management to the next level. So we're getting ready in our corporate communications group to implement another big technology solution. So Andy and I are not really involved in it because it's a, a different business unit that's implementing this new technology. But they've asked us for support and advice through their process. And so I'm going to serve on their steering committee and help them as they think about their change management approach and how they're going to roll this out to all colleagues as well at Huntington. So that's another uh, great compliment and more movement within our organization to put change management on the map and say, you know, the success of your programs could be even better if you have a change management process that you follow.
0: So we've talked a fair amount about what I'll call the the, the management layer of of this process. Let's shift to individual employees, whether they're line managers, uh, hourly individual contributors. What did you do to help bring those folks along?
1: We actually had a fun experience. This was very early on the project. We were still in the design phase. We sat employees down in the computer lab and showed them how to log in, but that was it. And then we gave them a scavenger hunt of, see if you can change your address. How about pretend like you had a baby and you want to change your benefits? Now, if you're a manager, see if you can give somebody a raise. And so we told them, go try to do these things without any direction. And what that helped inform was if they were able to do it, no questions, no problems. We knew that in our communication and training that we didn't have to spend a lot of effort in those Places. If they were telling us that the process was easy once they figured out how to do it, then we knew that our design was correct, but we just needed to spend time in the training and communication. But there were a couple places in the system where us as facilitators couldn't even figure out how to do it. And we're like, all right, this apparently is not working how we intended the design to work. So we went back to the design group and we reconfigured some of the processes. And that's exactly the iterative process that you go through when you're building your different tenants. But that feedback from the colleagues in the room allowed us to make the changes that we knew would deliver a better product.
0: I'm curious about some of the cultural components of this, were there any things that you needed to drive in terms of culture change, the way people thought about things, the way they approach the work that they do to, to make this successful?
1: I think in our overall impact analysis, when we were looking at what kind of change is it, one of the things that we rated was, is it a behavioral change? We also in that same scale said, is it a system change? Is it a policy change? Is it a process change? But that behavior change is what really caught our attention and spiked The impact overall when we assessed it, there were a couple things that actually were significant behavioral changes, so what we did with those is we made sure our executives were aware that that was going to change, but then we made sure that in our communication, we called it out, and we had communications that basically said, you know, what's changing and why, um because we wanted people to understand why that decision was made building that into our training and communication and making sure people understood the why behind it was kind of our plan to do that kind of shift
0: so as you went through this change management process how did you gauge whether it was working or whether you needed to change your change management approach
1: mm-hmm since deployment, we've changed a couple of our processes because we've learned some things, we wanted to improve the experience. So we did go back and reconfigure some of the processes that we rolled out originally. And you have to continually talk about who are your key stakeholders before you push the button And make that change happen in your system. So since I've moved on to another role, that's one of the things that Andy has created within his team, a release management process. So I
2: think one of the things we missed in the business case was I didn't drive adoption metrics. Because of the way the business case was put together, I had to figure out how much it was going to cost and how much I was going to save. And those were at the general ledger. So I didn't know that the savings would flow. So I couldn't take cost avoidance or I couldn't take efficiencies. I had to save hard dollars. So we didn't go back. We never put together, what's your time to fill gonna be? What's your turnover gonna be? How quickly can you onboard somebody? We didn't do baseline metrics, which is probably one of the big gaps in the change management approach is because I didn't have to, I didn't spend energy. And it would have been nice in retrospect to say here's what happened to our time to fill here's how quickly it can onboard so we don't really have that which i wish we had that now so we could go back and rate the efficiency of the org so it's one of the things we're trying to do we're still working on that but for the most part i think most everything from a what we configured from a change management was correct we've made some tweaks to it but we are going back and defining the metrics
0: that's cool. So this has been a fantastic conversation. As we wrap, what would you say to others, you know, within the banking industry who are looking to drive this kind of big process change of technology adoption what, what advice would you give them? Know
2: your audience, you know, understand where you're headed and you need to be flexible, but also firm of here's where I'm, here's what we're going to do and why. I'm a big believer in having the right framework. And I think we had a really good framework where we could adapt. We weren't so rigid we couldn't adapt, but we had a good framework and good people assigned that if something came up, we could switch work around. We were able to very quickly adapt to things as they changed, and we included change management, communication, training. They were included way at the beginning. It wasn't an afterthought. Yeah, get everyone in the same boat and bring them along. Mm-hmm. It's cool.
0: What would would you tell our listeners?
1: Very similar to what Andy said, I'll I'll talk about stakeholder engagement, is really identifying all of your audiences early in the effort. And one of the tools that I used was I had a a tracker, it was just an Excel spreadsheet, but I had all of the stakeholders identified and I put on that plan when I touched them last and what topic I covered with them so that I could go back and say, when was the last time I actually talked to the regional presidents and what did I share with them? Because I wanted to bring them along in the journey. And so if it had been a couple months and I look back in the progress of that stakeholder and I said... They only know the beginning story. They don't know the middle or the end yet. I knew that we needed to go back and, and re something or get back in a roadshow and visit that group. So continual stakeholder engagement and early in the process, as well as use data. The impact analysis that we did was so helpful because we could say quantitatively, this is your biggest change and here's how it was scored, as well as our readiness surveys with your organization is telling you that they don't know anything. We were able to break it down by which groups. We had a small population in one particular area that wasn't getting the communication. So what could we do to really connect with that group so that there were no surprises when we went live?
0: Yeah, Fantastic. We've been talking with Heather Efron and Andrew Seacrest from Huntington National Bank. Thanks for listening to the Workday Podcast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe.